0: I sat down with Air Force veteran Brian Mojica, founder of Cathwear, a medical device company that produces medical underwear designed for use with patients using leg bags, removing the use of Velcro straps and improving quality of life. As a registered nurse with degrees in radiology and nursing, Brian kept noticing how embarrassed and uncomfortable bag legs left patients feeling. He came up with a patent to create what became Cathwear and launched a company a few years later around their products. Like so many of us along this entrepreneurial journey, Brian's journey hasn't been without its fair share of setbacks. Alcoholism, drug addiction, and bad business partners are some of the many obstacles Brian's had to overcome to get Cathware where it is today. On the show, he opens up about his success and failures, including the fallout with his business partners, the importance of his company to employ family and those in his community, and why it's important for entrepreneurs to not give up, no matter how bad things may seem. Before you hear from Brian and I, make sure you subscribe to the Transition newsletter at the link in the show notes. I send out a newsletter at least once a week sharing the latest episode of the Transition. And if there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show, shoot me an email at Mike.Stedman at BunkerLabs.org or message me directly on Instagram at IronMikeStedman. Also, applications are open for the Bunker Labs Breaking Bears and Entrepreneurship Workshop Series. Bunker Labs understands the challenges faced by Asian black latinx and female business owners to better equip these historically underserved communities they've created an eight-week workshop designed for early to growth stage businesses that provide access to business tools resources capital opportunities mentorship and a strong peer network you can apply today and start breaking barriers at the link in the show notes this episode of the transition is brought to you by the metlife foundation their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Brian, welcome to the bunker. What's going on, my brother?
1: Everything is going on, man. What's up? I am Mike.
0: (laughs) Trying to get like you, man, out here living the entrepreneurial dream.
1: It is. It is a dream. And you know what, man, it it doesn't stop. It just keeps unfolding. I, I like the way you presented that.
0: So I hit Brian up on LinkedIn, y'all, to get him on the podcast. I've actually been trying to get Brian for a minute. Um, I found out about you by way of Hofstra, the Veterans Venture Challenge. Um, I know you were a finalist in that competition, and uh, the team over there had nothing but good things to say about you. And we connected on uh, LinkedIn a few months ago, probably eight or nine months ago. And just kind of been messaging back and forth, and uh, real excited to finally get you on the show because you wrote a book, you got a great company, and you've been in the hustle. So uh, it's a pleasure to have you here.
1: Awesome, awesome. Thank you. We we actually won first place at the at the Hofstra event, and um, that was that was a dogfight, and I was just very thankful to come out victorious through that. I can't even begin to tell you on how important those accelerator programs are, the knowledge that you gain from them. I highly, highly recommend any entrepreneur that is is, is thinking about, you know, starting a business. We should never not start because we don't have money. There's always money. There's always somewhere. What, what we don't have is the vision. You know, yeah. the money shows up. The vision is not guaranteed.
0: And how much did you earn through a hostra
1: That was 50K.
0: That's a that's real money. That's real. See, let me tell
1: you something. I mean, where I'm from, that's a lot of money. Maybe somebody hits 50K and they're like, that's nothing. But that was that was life, man. We we were able to not have to eat off of food stamps for a little bit. Let me tell you that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I won a twenty five thousand from the Street Shares Foundation. I know how much of a game changer that was for me. So I can only imagine that 50K. But that is great. You know, having access to these type of programs.
1: It is. It is. And um for, for for us, we were able to take that fifty K, invest most of it into marketing, the uh inventory as well. We updated it. I mean, we you know, we kept struggling trying to keep inventory in house, so we'd have orders, no units, or we'd have units, no orders. So we really took put that 50k and put it to good use, you know, and, and it's 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 just it takes you to the next lap. You know, it's not yeah. the end all be all. It just gives you life.
0: And you're right, man, that was a doggy dog competition because you had some really, really talented um, uh, businesses run by veteran entrepreneurs and, and military mm-hmm. in that space. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people that we've had on this podcast at ease rentals, you know, um, God knows who else.
1: Yeah, it's it's not. It's not um when I started seeing the answers coming through, you know, in the in the thread where you have to, like, put everything in. I was like, man, like, man, I don't have an answer like that for that question or things like that. But that's why I like being around people. You, you shouldn't be intimidated when you're in around people that are successful or when you're around people that are are mastering their craft. It should inspire you. It should make you want to want to raise the bar and, and and raise your own bar, not in a comparison kind of way, because that's what we te- how we tend to look at things in life in comparison. But comparison is deadly. But more just motivating. And as, as the other entrepreneurs, you know, were submitting their assignments the days that I was tired, and I'm like, ah, I don't want to do this. And I'd look in and everybody was starting to submit theirs like then it motivated me to do it. And we have to do that for one another. Entrepreneurs really have to push our stories forward, which is why I wrote you know, my book uh, from Let It Flow which is available on, on Amazon now and, and let it flow is it's, it's about that entrepreneurial journey. And as we were saying before the the, the recording started, that book is not about my my highlights, uh, certainly not a lot of highlights in, in the entrepreneurial world. It was a lot of mistakes that I made, a lot of leadership mistakes. And I wanted to put it in a book because I want to put, be transparent and put those things forward because we have to teach each other where our failures were, not only the successes.
0: You know, man, me and you just jumped right in and started chatting it up. I would love for you to take a moment and just introduce yourself to our listeners so they know who you are and what you got going on.
1: Sure, sure, sure. My name is Brian Mojica. I am the CEO and inventor of Cathwear. I'm also a registered nurse. And through my clinical experience, I was able to invent a medical underwear that's designed for patients that require the use of leg bags. Patients tend to have leg bags post-procedure and it slides up and down the leg, similar to like a gun holster that goes on the thigh and, and doesn't seem to be stabilized. But with Cathware, the bag is now stabilized, restoring the patient's dignity and privacy during treatment and recovery. We're number one on Amazon, number one on Google. We are the only product in our category invented by a registered nurse and the only product in our category that's covered by Medicare and my goal is to try to reach as many patients as we can that are struggling with that problem, and the way we do that is through our proprietary website at cathway.com.
0: Look, y'all, hear that elevator pitch? You got it down tight, y'all. So listening, <laughs> someone you about your I got it.
1: I got the thirty-second, the two-minute, the five-minute, and I got the two-hour pitch. Man, we have yeah, that's, to be that, ready.
0: That was really good. What's what's Mojica? Where is what ethnicity is that?
1: Uh, Dominican.
0: Dominican okay I just mm-hmm. got back from Dominican Republic with my girlfriend for vacation
1: yeah how'd you like it over there
0: it was beautiful it was beautiful nice I love, and warm a and lot I better than in New, New Jersey States.
1: and Boston right
0: freezing I listen <laughs> y'all Mike jumped I mean uh, Brian jumped on the, uh the, the 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 link here and I was like man he just got done working out because he's got the sweatshirt on and everything he's like nah man it's just cold
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be 10 degrees here in Boston this week
0: yep so you got a book out, okay, you've got this company you're running, you've won fifty thousand dollars, so obviously it sounds like you know what you're doing, but take off your armor for us. let us know what you're really struggling with as a as an entrepreneur behind the scenes.
1: How much time do we got <laughs> we um we have to understand that there's there's different ways to lead for me, again, which is why I wrote the book, Let it flow is because. As a nurse, I'm emotionally inclined. And in the business world, it's very cut and dry. It's, it's, it's not what you think it is, at least for me. When I got into the business world as a nurse, I got my butt handed to me because I was leading with my emotions. I built a team based on my weaknesses, which was a good decision that I made. I wrote down everything that I wanted to do. In a business and everything that i didn't want to do and the list of the things that i didn't want to do i hired those weaknesses so the people that i hired they were strong in those areas so i was able to strengthen a lot of places where i knew the company was not going to grow effectively now my problem with that was is these business partners that i hired we grew up together so we've known each other for over 20 years we we went to high school together but I made the mistake of thinking that they were gonna be my friends. I made the mistake of thinking that we're we're business partners but now we're gonna spend every Thanksgiving together and every Christmas and we're gonna text non-business things. And I really struggled in that area and it it hindered my ability to lead the company. And that's something that I believe maybe a lot of people might struggle with that. I had to, it took me, we've been in business We launched the business five years ago, going on almost six years ago. And it took me three and a half years to realize that my business partners, they were not my friends, that they were just that. They were my business partners. And once I was able to transition my brain into looking at things more cut and dry, I was able to effectively lead better.
0: You know, um, a lot of times we don't realize that though. You know, everybody's like, oh, we're just going to go in, go into business with our boys. But that's hard to maintain a relationship with because you're really getting married to each other and you start to have resentment towards each other. So it's like, how are you, my friend, when you say you're going to get this done and it's not done yet? And now all you're doing is festering, you know, so you don't want to talk about friend stuff. You're like, man, you don't you don't respect me because this is my livelihood here. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, you're, you're saying exactly what happened you know at, at Cathway i mean and i even had to part ways with with three of them um the last one was at the end of end of the year and it was just you know for a, a multitude of things you know not, none that i'm going to share now but You know, you got to keep going because the vision is yours. You know, you have to be the motivating factor. Like nobody's going to pat me on the back. Nobody's my cheerleader. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to be your own cheerleader. You have to be the one that drives the vision. Now, you have to be the catalyst for your vision. Now, you can have other moments where the other people may play the role of catalyst and they may motivate you, but you have to be the one pushing forward. And I mean our parents know each other like that's how long we've known one another you know and to I started taking things personal, like, you know, if I, I used to, because I'm a nurse, so when you're working on the floor, we're always like telling each other, you know, words of affirmation and man, I really appreciate what you did today. That was really nice what you did for that patient. You know, thank you for doing that because that, and so I would always do that throughout the day, you know, through text. I'd be like, hey man, I love you, bro. Great week this week. And, you know, just <laughs> thank you for whatever. And there would be no reply. And because I was not able to, to, to separate essentially the game from the truth, right? I started getting offended by it, but like, man, I texted you, I told you that I loved you, man, I, I texted you, I told you good job. And the responses that I would get was, I don't need you to tell me a, that I did a good job because I can see what I did. Or I don't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't need you to tell me that I'm doing a good job because I know my value, I know my worth. And I, I understand 100% what that means and that's the business world. Like it's black and white. Like I can see that I generated this much progress. So I know that that's good. I don't need you to tell me that that's good.
0: Got it. Well, when you were separating from your business partners, were you able to walk away amicable? What was this process like? Uh, it was
1: it it was not necessarily as amicable as as I would like it. I mean it is what it is, you know, at the end of any relationship you always learn more about somebody than you do at the beginning. Right. Um COVID, we launched right before COVID and just like everyone else in the world, we we were set back. And I'm I'm just by the grace of God, man, I'm still alive in this business journey. Uh, we saw growth in sales when the hospitals were completely shut down so we knew that that was a sign that we were going to be successful it just so happens that what what ended up transpiring is that everybody's timeline because of covid was exposed so i thought the timeline was when we get there other people's timeline was no now or or whatever and it's hard because you know nobody's getting paid you know it's sweat equity you know we're not able to to do the things that we want to do, you know, well, you said you were going to wash the dishes and you know, yeah, but I meant to vacuum the rug (laughs) type of thing. And it's not easy. It's not easy. So it was amicable. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, but at the end of a relationship, you know, things are always sad and, and things get really tense, but I, I'm okay with where I am now because I, I work well under pressure. Some people don't, I work extremely well under pressure in the military that, you know, the, the, the theme is across all of the branches is adapt and overcome. So I'm in the middle of the ocean. I'm not going to drown. So I just got, I just got to keep swimming, even if you got to lay on your back and float for a little bit.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing, because this is valuable insight that our listeners need to understand about who you're getting in the bed with you know, who you're bringing on your team, because at the end of the day, you're going to war with these individuals, right? And it might, you might not be getting shot at by bullets, but you're responsible for people's livelihood. You know, um, this is life. We only have one life to live. And so you're gonna be spending a lot of time working together. So just be intentional about who that is and don't take that process uh, for granted. You know, my business coach says, I don't give up equity and I don't do partners. And here's why. And he's already dealt with that, you know, in the past. you know relationships going sideways really really close relationships so just something to think about and now we've got guys like Brian who you can reach out to and talk to you know about those kind of things because it it really is important now yeah before- absolutely
1: mike you said you you brought up a good point there um you know about picking picking your your business partners wisely it's almost better like you you hear the saying never rent an apartment to family or or things like that, right? Because if your family can't pay the rent, you're not going to kick them out. But if it's someone that you don't know, you're going to have more of a business approach to it. And it's kind of like that in business. Like The things that were happening within my organization, they wouldn't have happened if we didn't know each other. But familiarity sometimes is the skateboard for disrespect and the best way to overcome that you just said it right there is is not necessarily giving equity in addition but it's also in addition to it's better to work with people you don't know because if i get in, into a project with you like there's just that level of respect that you just never cross even when things go bad i'll be like yo man i mean i just like he's a man like me you know what i mean like i have to I have to approach him like this, or, or or a human being if it's a woman or whatever. But when we grew up together, you're like, ah, man, I, yo, I, I remember that time you got punched right. in the face in the parking lot. You know, when we was when we was a kids. So that familiarity starts to muddy the waters there.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Having those boundaries and establishing them. That's the word. So as we continue with your story, and I'm excited to hear about you know how you even came up with Cathware. I got to go ahead and acknowledge what's bringing us here today. And that's Bunker Labs, a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping the military-connected community community start their own businesses. We're committed to seeing that every entrepreneur in the military-connected community has the network tools and resources they need to start their own business. You can learn more by visiting our website, www.bunkerlabs.org. Now, Brian, I got to ask you. When did you get connected to these veteran um, organizations or veteran entrepreneurial ecosystem? Correction.
1: When I got onto LinkedIn, that was that was one of the best business decisions I ever made. I thought that LinkedIn was a place where people just went to look for work. And there was a lead that I was trying to follow up on that I lost contact with. And I Googled her name. And I saw that she was on LinkedIn, so I set up my LinkedIn profile and updated it in order to reach out to this person. And then I just started bopping my head around. I started seeing all these other just successful people. It's not what I thought it was. And the network that I built on, on LinkedIn, it's, it's it's it really helped me a lot. And I was able to connect with you, I mean, with so many other people. And a lot of referrals came from you know people that I met on LinkedIn, but that's, that's where I really met a lot of veteran, a lot of veteran entrepreneurs, you know, doing things like the, the Hofstra challenge and all of that. Um, they did a really good job of promoting it. You know, when any, anytime I see a connection request come through and the you know person has stated in their profile that they're a veteran, like I immediately accept it, you know, whether there's a, any possible synergy there or not.
0: Yeah. You know, it's important for us to have community. It's important for our mental health, encouragement, because there are days you're going through it. And, you know, I was thinking about, like, man, who are my friends these days, who I find myself really hanging out with and spending time with. And it's really a lot of people in the, the veteran entrepreneurial community, veterans and military spouses within Bunker Labs that I, you know, hang out with or that I'm jumping on podcasts with. And uh, it's, it's really a competitive advantage that we have to be able to have so many people out there looking out for our behalfs, you know, that we could connect with, support, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the way it's supposed to be. Right. I mean, in the military, that's that's kind of how it is. Like, there's no black, there's no white, there's no Asian, there's no Indian. Like, that's that's just your comrade. And and in the business world, we need to understand that we need one another, even if it's something like a podcast that somebody shares a story and you can hear it. You know, I'd, I'd listen to entrepreneurial podcasts when I needed strength. You know, I would listen to or look at other people's posts, you know, and see somebody, you know, hit a milestone, and and it's like what you said. It's not all peaches and cream. It's not. It's certainly not what we put on social media. You uh, know what I mean? Like I'm not. I didn't post anything that about you know the troubles that I was having at Cathware on social media. But if you went on my social media page, you're like, man, this guy got it all figured out. No, but you know what I mean? Because it's you do you post things to be intentional and deliver a certain message. Yet at the same time, we have to keep moments of transparency in order to help others. I say it all the time in all my talks, the more transparent you are, the greater of an effective leader you're gonna be. If you walk into a room with a hundred people and you say, how many people here are entrepreneurs? Not many people are gonna raise their their hands. But if you walk into a room with a hundred people and you say, how many people are here from a broken home? More than half are gonna raise their hand. So that lets me know That we should always share our moments, our pitfalls, the moments that we stumble so that we can connect with people and then build up the story from there. But if you just walk in and you're like, yeah, man, my product, it's it's international. It's the best thing to slice bread. Everything's going great. I'm making this much money. And, you know, I just bought this and bought that. Everything's great, 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 great. You're not going to reach many people.
0: So with that being said, take us back. How did you become an entrepreneur? because there's a lot of people that are listening that still might be active duty and they have no idea where to begin or what that process is like they they're worried about transitioning out of the military and are thinking about entrepreneurship so when they hear you know your story it gives them hope and inspiration
1: yeah um that's that's a great way to introduce you know this 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 is something that I wanted to share with I was talking to one of my friends the other day uh she's still in the air force and we were talking about the out process uh, out of the military and There's a big emphasis on, you know, you're going to struggle and, you know, the transition, you know, to the civilian life, like, you know, and and when you go to an interview, you know, don't be so rigid and things like that. And none of those things, it was almost like a, a scare tactic to keep people in. I was in the Air Force. I was a 2W131E, so I worked on the flight line. Uh, out in the in the UK, I worked on the weapon systems for the F-15 fighter jet, um, because that's just what I thought I wanted to do at 17. You know, and when I was getting out of the military, it was some financial hardships that were going on. So it, like, I wasn't walking out, I wasn't retiring, or anything like that. I was coming home to to a real battlefield where with a lot, a lot of instability in my family structure. And I remember that I remember my first interview. It was nothing like what the Air Force told me it was going to be. You know, it was almost like kiss your butt goodbye, like you're going out to the wolves. And it wasn't like that, you know. And I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I got out, but I knew that I wanted to be in the medical field. So I went. I took my first class drawing blood. You know, and I got my first A after high school. I didn't do well in my last year of high school because I was partying, you know, just living that that type of lifestyle. And I remember when I got my first A in college, it was like blood in the water for me. And I, I just wanted more. You know, since then I have two college degrees now, I have a degree in radiology and a degree in nursing. When I after I graduated with my degree in radiology, and I started my first year of nursing school, I was working in the operating room and I saw a patient come in with a leg bag uh, on his thigh. When the patient came in and he had his leg bag on his thigh, I came into the operating room and I had a vision of an underwear. Then from there, because I was in the Air Force, and the Air Force there's a huge attention to, to detail and everything that we do right from boot camp. They're always telling you detail, detail, detail. I, I And I was always a very good artist. I have good penmanship. Um, you know, doing graffiti and things like that <laughs> certainly paid off. So I was able to draw uh, pictures of it, of the of the vision that I had in different angles, like a, a head on vision uh, and a 2D, you know, 45 degree and then a 90 degree angle. I diagrammed it. I went to Walmart. I bought some long underwear, went to the arts and craft store and picked up all the material. My stepmom was making us samples at our kitchen table for about two years. We were giving them to patients and getting feedback. Um, Shortly after that, after I had the vision in the operating room, I filed for a patent, was awarded the patent within a year later. But I didn't want to get into the entrepreneurial space. I wanted to just take the the idea and license it and have somebody else, you know, manufacture it and sell it and just kind of reap the benefits of it. But we found a lot of difficulty doing that and uh, nobody wanted to take on and manufacture underwear and things of the sort. So it sat on the shelf for like two years. Then I went through some personal struggles myself in my own in my own life. And uh, the product sat on the shelf a lot longer. Uh, so for about two years, I had to drop out of nursing school uh, in a four-year program. I dropped out after two years, blah, blah, blah. And then I ended up going back to nursing school and finished. When I graduated nursing school, I just had this patent sitting on the shelf and I just decided that, you know what, let me see what this thing can do. And I ended up just getting into the entrepreneurial space. I don't even know how I fell into it. I just kind of took one step at a time. Another thing that we need to remember is that becoming an entrepreneur is the reason why some people don't finish the race is because they don't want to do the next step. There's always a next step. But we have to be willing to do that next step. Like the analogy that I wanted to share with the listeners is like, which is I talk about that in my book, Let It Flow, that's available on Amazon now about my entrepreneurial journey is about cooking a turkey dinner, right? Like when you cook a turkey dinner, you don't put the turkey in the oven and then you sit in front of the oven and you just wait there for four hours. You you put the turkey in the oven, you're cleaning, you're doing laundry, you're setting the table, you're making the mashed potatoes, you're making all these other things. So when that turkey is done, everything is ready and the feast is ready. And that's similar to how it has to be in the entrepreneurial world. There's always something for you to do. While there's a downtime, there's not really a downtime, it's just a downtime for that one step. But there's another step that you can either start or keep going, or finish. So when you get to a certain stage, because there's different stages of success in the entrepreneurial journey, you'll have a lot of things checked off. For us, one of them was getting covered through Medicare and being a certified veteran-owned company during the time that we were developing the product and trying to find a manufacturer, we were able to get covered by Medicare, uh, become a minority, certified minority-owned, certified veteran-owned, setting up the infrastructure. So we weren't just, you know, sitting around waiting for the manufacturer to be ready to then do all of these things.
0: No, that's a great insight. And I appreciate you even opening up about the life challenges because, you know, as I get older, right, I'm starting to realize like you, and I, I knew this before, but like, you know, life doesn't stop just because we're launching these ventures. You know, you're dealing with all kinds of stuff, relationships, wives, girlfriends, you know, death, you know, all kind of stuff is going on concurrently. And so it really does. It just makes things that much harder. But you also got to recognize that this is what you're getting yourselves into. Yeah.
1: Um, I went through a, a very, very horrible divorce right yeah. after two years of, of being in nursing school. Uh, I was suicidal. Um, You know, I struggled with alcohol and cocaine addiction for 20 years. Um, When I went into the military, I I started dabbling with cocaine in high school. And when I went into the military, you know, you get drug tested. So I couldn't smoke weed and I couldn't sniff. So I drank a lot more in order to, to essentially supplement the high. And that's just what that's just what we did. I mean. You know, in the military, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you report to work, the, when you're supposed to go to work. So when we got off of work, it was just drinking every day. I was a heavy, heavy alcoholic, you know, and I and that's my first book that I wrote. It was on my addiction, and that's called From Cocaine to Christ. Now, that's also available on Amazon. I wrote that book um, two and a half years ago. Because I wanted to be transparent and try to help a lot of veterans that may be struggling with addiction, maybe struggling with suicide, which it's it's something very, very real. You know, and overcoming all of those things really helped me understand that I can overcome things in the entrepreneurial world. But you know, nobody no you don't really plan for those things, you know. When I started nursing school, I didn't realize that, you know, I, I had some criminal charges as well. So when those criminal charges were placed. I I got kicked out of nursing school because you can't have any open charges while you're and you because you won't be able to pass the quarry. Like those things really exacerbated my depression. They really kicked in my addiction into high gear. You know, sitting in front of a judge, you know, and and wondering if I was gonna go to jail. Like those things they really take a toll on your mind, you know, And, and but again, you know, you adapt and overcome, you know, you adapt and overcome. And and that doesn't stop, especially when you enter into the entrepreneurial world.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing that, man. I know we got listeners that, you know, they're hearing this for the first time, just like I'm hearing it for the first time. But man, there's something that comes about these kind of platforms, we can be open and honest, because we all have our own lived experiences. And uh, it's not about where you start, it's about how you end up. And it sounds like you're on the right path. And you're Really being an inspiration to a lot of other veteran entrepreneurs out there, and so you know, what I ask you next is, all right, so you come up with the product, you get the patent, you get the serviceable veteran-owned business status, and all this. When at what point did you feel like, okay, Cathware is a real business?
1: I got a phone call one day from a patient and a uh, patient's family member, and they said, "We just want to say thank you because." Our, I think it was the husband. She said, our, you know, my husband went went to be with the Lord and he wouldn't leave the house because he had these leg bags. He had a stage four renal cancer. And she said, we wanted to go on one last vacation and we he wouldn't leave until we found your product. And he was able to leave the house and we were able to spend one more vacation with him. And I, I remember I hung up the phone, man. And I was just in tears because you kind of start this stuff out and, you know, you you don't you don't there's no there's no monetary compensation for it. So something needs to motivate you. And my motivating factor is listening to the reviews of patients, patients that call our website, um, you know, the the reviews on Amazon that people say, you know, like, I mean, if you read the reviews on Amazon for Cathware, it sounds like. I paid these people to say it because it's a perfect review. So those things motivate me because it lets me know this is working. People are buying it. They love it. I mean, comments like, you know, Cathware has changed my life. You know, I look at that. I'm like, man, nobody's going to believe this. They're going to think I paid somebody or some, some sort of program or whatever. But the truth is, is that it's a very viable product and extremely innovative. And that's what makes it what makes CathWare successful is that that's the beauty of when nurses innovate. When nurses innovate, we see things that a lot of people in healthcare don't see because of our close proximity to the, the, the patient's plight. In addition to that, being a veteran also helped me because of our work ethic and our ability to finish a task. You know, and, and when, when we, you know, in the military, when you're given something, it's just, it's, it's got to get done. And that's why you see a lot of veteran entrepreneurs either, you know, being the CEO of companies or at least you should have one on the team because veterans bring a certain structure, a certain level of professionalism that it's not guaranteed in a in a in a in a a non-military setting.
0: You know, I got to bring up something because this is a very good teachable moment and I want to share it with our listeners. So I just looked at Brian's website. You know, I'm a brand guy right? Everything you just said about how much they love your product, about how it changed their life, about how they were able to overcome that shame and guilt and embarrassment that they were feeling right about not wanting to leave the house. I don't see any of that. When I go to your website, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we just focus on the product, right? But people don't buy the product just because yeah, it's underwear, but it's something that you are allowing them to do, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's the essence of a strong brand really kind of tapping in like what is the real underlying thing here for someone. Right. And so what I think, what I'm telling Brian is like, man, let's dial in that branding. Like that is that, that's a moat around your business. You know, that's what you're going after. You're going after people that are embarrassed that feel shame, you know, and you're giving them a sense of pride back, you know, it's not necessarily about just lose the strap. It's about feel comfortable in your own skin with or without, you know, that cathometer, is it called a cathometer? What is it? What's A the catheter. Word? A catheter. So just something to think about. I wanted to say that word going. Yeah. And then here's another one for our listeners. Brian is embedded in the community that he serves, right? So whenever people are start talking about, you know, the lean startup methodology, and they're saying, go out there and talk to your customers. Well, Brian's a nurse, right? He sees the stuff happen over and over. You see the shame and the guilt and all the issues that people are dealing with. Right. You're hitting it right on the head. So you've been able to create a product to solve that need. Right. It's beautiful because you're the best position. You're in the best position to solve the issue. And so when we're thinking about launching ventures, it's so hard to go into a space where you have no agency. I just use a big boy word. I got my master's in American (laughs) studies. <laughs> and we let about, him know, let him know. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what agency meant for the longest time. They kept talking about it in class, but agency is like, uh, can you see yourself? Right? Like, do you bring uh uh credibility? Like, does it does it trigger an emotion? You know, like and so by like, him having agency is like that's his realm, that's his field of play, right? And now he's he's in a position to create a product or build a business around something that he knows because he's immersed in the space, in the community. So just two lessons I wanted to share with our listeners, you know, about, you know, how they approach building their businesses, embedding yourself in the community and really dialing in the essence of why people are buying your product or service.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you already shared with us about partners. Okay. And the issues you've had faced there, as you get that phone call, and that person tells you, you know, hey, this changed my life. And now you realize you have a real business. Talk to us about how you were approaching scaling up, you know, getting the website going, getting the manufacturing products going. Like, what was this process like?
1: Well, scaling up is where we are right now. Um, it's again, it's slowed down because of COVID. And my goal right now is to just get eyes on Cathware. Like, you can't unsee innovation. Right. So once somebody sees cathware, and you see a patient that has a catheter with a leg bag, you can't like we would be doing a disservice if we don't tell them, hey, man, like I went to a, a, a state run veteran facility uh, down in Rhode Island and it was in the summertime. And there were veterans just walking around with the leg bag around their ankle like because because i get it like that bag is sliding up and down the leg you got to keep tightening it around the thigh and they're just like yo dude i'm done man and i'm wearing shorts and they're just okay with that so that lets me know that my next goal is to to get people to see it so i'm in the process of setting up an aggressive marketing campaign this year for 2022 and getting eyes on it i mean we've signed with a lot of uh, international distributors. At this point, we just signed with Cardinal Health. We just signed with Byron Healthcare, with some uh, brick and mortar facilities right now. And that's what scaling up, the, the stage of scaling up is for us, is increasing these purchase orders and then to start growing out, essentially getting another nurse that can make more calls and that nurse go to more trade shows. I mean, those trade shows are clutch, clutch, clutch. Because when I go, I set up the booth, I, I, I get a mannequin, and I set up the mannequin like a patient because I want to educate the people on what my product looks like. And I know that we live in a very you know, rush, rush, you know, hurry, hurry type of world. So in those trade shows, I don't have time to even a, a five-second pitch. So I know that I need to set up my booth so somebody walking by, they can see it, and it'll catch their eye enough so that they'll come, if I'm talking to somebody else, that they'll wait. Um, well, those trade shows stopped once COVID hit. And it, it, was, it was a dogfight, man, trying to do it through Zoom. I was like, ah, you know, Zoom worked out because we're saving money. We don't have to travel. But when I went to a trade show in Atlanta in October, the MedTrade East, and I was able to meet people face-to-face again within a week, I had closed three distribution deals. So that's what that's where what's scaling up looks for us right now is marketing. So
0: ma- I was going to say, so the majority of your revenue is coming from B2B. Mm-hmm. Got it. And what were you saying? You said your scaling up looks like what?
1: Uh, right now, is it, the level of scaling up for us is is not only B2B but even just marketing and uh, getting people to see it you know we have patients that reach us on on amazon and on our, in our and on our proprietary website but the b2b is better because i'm realizing that it's like it's like churches right like you go to any neighborhood in an inner city i guess you should say this there's, there's a lot of churches and they all have their own people right they don't really step on each other's toes or whatever whatever by me going b2b i'm able to really cut out a lot of the the legwork because once i sell to a business that business sells it to their network i don't have to go to all of the patients in their network they can just they'll do it themselves in order to generate the revenue
0: it's not just that but there's something called trust too you know and when you have that big national brand like cardinal health or whoever else like you said those names then that creates a certain level of trust with your product and a lot of times right we're launching a product we're trying to build trust because people who do business with people they like know and trust so sometimes you got to borrow that trust from other people and that can <laughs> even be a client you know? i like
1: that i like yeah. that
0: so when they see you with a, a a big brand like that it establishes a certain level of credibility so kudos to you for a oh, big time that. as
1: soon as we signed with cardinal health and it was finalized man i was i was bringing that up every time i was on the phone with somebody and I'm like, oh, I know you'll be interested with it, Mr. or Mrs. whatever, because Cardinal Health, they just signed us and they're really interested in it. So I'm I'm pretty sure you'll see the benefit like they did, you know, just kind of trying to drop that dime there before I hung up the phone.
0: Now, how many people are on your team these days?
1: Yeah, Yo, you're looking at them.
0: Solo dolo?
1: Yeah, <laughs> me and my wife now. Um, awesome. I have some private investors that they they kind of chip in uh, every now and then, but um, I'm I'm going to do it. This year, I'm going to run it on my own and try to build it to to where I want it.
0: And you're outsourcing all the distribution? Yeah. Well,
1: no, I mean, we do the distribution here. My mom comes to the crib with some of her friends. When we get these large orders, you know, they come and, and everyone that's associated with my business is from the community that we grew up in. I'm very big on building community. You know, I don't want to make $10 million with somebody that I don't know if I can make a million dollars with people that I do know. You know, and that's just... That's just the way that I, maybe somebody else looks at that in a different way. But for me, you know, seeing my mom come here with their friends, you know, and having them bag up, you know, 500, 700 units to ship out, you know, a couple of times a month. And, you know, they they make a they make a, a little something on the side. And, you know what I mean? I get to be able to, to, to run the business and stuff like that. That means a lot to me.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you shared that, because even in my own entrepreneurial journey, I'm starting to rethink of what I always thought social impact was. We always think social impact is like, oh, you know, I donate 10 percent of my revenue to a nonprofit or something. But nah. make no mistake. One thing we can always appreciate as veterans is having access to meaningful work, you know, having access to a paycheck. And when we're able to give people in our communities, whether it's veteran, urban, you know, Dominican, whatever you want to call it, whatever community we're embedded in, nurses, Right There's something to be said about creating economic opportunities for those closest to us. So yeah. kudos to you for recognizing that yeah. and leading into it with your business model.
1: Yeah, let me, let me tell you one more thing, uh, Mike. We had an option because the finances have been so tight that we were actually going to try to see if we could have everything um, made in China and bagged in China and sent already packaged. But just knowing that my mom and it's a little biased like i had told my business partners because it's my mom and i get it but even if it wasn't my mom i would have said the same thing knowing that my mom and her friends would not be able to come and you know whatever money they little money they make off of it knowing that i was going to take that away from them i i i I didn't it didn't sit well with me i'm not into politics at all but i understand the whole political landscape of sending jobs overseas and how bad that is and why do we do that. But if I didn't have Cathwares made in China, I wanted to try to make it in the United States because I'm a veteran and I wanted to say you made in the USA. But to have it made in the USA would be almost three times the cost. It, patients wouldn't be able to afford it. You know, and and I and that's when I understood, oh, this is why politicians are always like fighting, you know, because you're sending jobs overseas or whatever. And I said to myself, like, man, you know, like we got our brochures made in China. Right. And we we get them done for pennies and they, they ship them over. But I couldn't do that to my mom and her friends. Like I couldn't take that job and send it. And I understood now the value of of what you just said of, you know, really building community like you just said. I mean donating like money to this empty black space cyber world where you don't really know where it goes or how it's being used that's not the same of hearing my mom and her friends downstairs laughing bagging stuff up you know i'm in the in the basement now you know where my office is they got a whole system set up you know i set up one of her friends as, as essentially the supervisor. So I don't even have to be in the room or in the, in the house anymore, you know, and that really freed up a lot of time for me just to be able to spend time with my family, not even to grow the business, but just that they come and I don't got to watch anybody. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to do any of those things, just that freedom alone. Let me know that we're growing little things, man. You gotta, you gotta celebrate little milestones. Like I bought a dolly, You know when i bought the dolly because the boxes i kept taking one box at a time bringing it out for ups even just buying a dolly i think i posted it on linkedin like yo this is a milestone and i celebrated it because that means that if i need a dolly then i I, i'm to me that shows like something's happening and you and that's what i meant earlier when you have to be your own cheerleader you know and in the business world it's like it's the the threshold of success is so high, yet it's so subjective, right? It's like, well, if we don't make a million dollars this year, I'm not going to celebrate. Like, that's horrible. Like, you got to celebrate, like, you know, down here. And I get it. You know, what, one thing that I learned is through this journey, I was celebrating too long in the end zone. You know, like, I remember when we won the Hostra uh, Veterans Challenge, you know, that was my first moment where I was like, hey, everybody, great job. You know, and the next day I was like, all right, so what's next? where the old me when I first started this I'd be like you know 3 months later like yeah you know I'd be mean? like bro it's done man like so there's a balance there and this, that same balance, you have to do it with the milestones, you know? When when I close with Cardinal Health, you know, I mean, I went and celebrated just w- with my wife, right? My wife has taken over a lot of the administrative stuff. I went and I took her out to eat. I joke around with her and I'm like, you know, you're part of the Cathware team, so this is essentially a business meeting. But I took my wife out, you know, we went and we got dressed and we celebrated that contract with cardinal health because in my mind i want to capture my mind and i want to take control of my mind so that my mind is constantly seeing success in my business ventures so somebody else doesn't determine what success looks like to me i determine it on my own
0: that's beautiful and you're right man you know like celebrate those small wins you know you get a client you close a big deal you know you don't got to celebrate all week just go take the lady, take your partner out, grab some meal, recognize where you're at because you're always going to be chasing that next thing. There's always going to be something. Absolutely.
1: Next absolutely. And if you don't stop and celebrate, you're right. That's a good point. If you don't stop and celebrate, it's never enough.
0: Right. So it's let me ask stuff. you this. As you look towards the future, where do you see, where do you see your company? What's your BHAG? What's that big, hairy, audacious goal?
1: Right now for us, I would like to see Cathware sold in two years, you know, but not sold just to, to be sold, but sold because somebody sees the value in it and somebody sees that they can take on the mission that I've started and get it to more patients. My goal is to get Cathware to as many patients as possible and make it the premier choice of doctors, nurses, and caregivers when a patient has, is wearing a leg bag.
0: So we've got veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses tuning in from all over the country, all over the world. I want you to leave them with some closing remarks as they pursue their own entrepreneur journey. And then also let us know how as a community we can mobilize ourselves and help you win. Where can they find you at? And you know, what can we do to help you accomplish that goal?
1: That's awesome, man. I've been asked that question before and my answer is very short. Don't quit. Just don't quit. Like, don't quit. I cannot emphasize, on there's so many people that invent products, and they quit, and somebody else invents it. There's so many people that start a business, and they just quit for whatever reason. They quit. But you can't quit. You have to just do that next step. It It doesn't matter if there's a million steps. It doesn't matter if the steps never stop. But just do that next step that will get you to the next goal. Celebrate your milestones, as small as as they may be. You know, my first invention is not cathware. My first invention was a suction device that I created because our two-month-old son, at the time, his nasal passage was blocked. And I went into the operating room, and I took some suction tubing off the wall, like the, the suction that the dentist uses, but this one is a little bigger, and I took it home, and I I rigged it so that I could suck the mucus out of my son's nose and plug the other side, because that that little bulb thing that they give you in the maternity ward, it wasn't doing anything. And I said, man, I should put a motor on the end of this with like different settings for suction. And so what I did was, is the biggest mistake you can make when you have a vision is ask other people about it and seek validation. So I started asking people in my life at that time. People were making fun of me, telling me it was a stupid invention. I showed it to our son's pediatrician at the time and she was the biggest discouragement because she said, oh, it's, it's not going to be, uh, uh, FDA is not going to approve it. And it's going to be thousands of dollars and the patent process is going to take too long. I was just very discouraged. Two years later, one of the people that told me that it was a stupid idea saw it on the shelves at Walmart and now it's being sold worldwide because somebody else had that vision and they didn't quit. And I did. Somebody's going to invent. Your idea. Somebody's going to not, is going to open the business that you don't want to open. And you don't want to be that person that was like me, that's sitting on the other side watching that. So I took that failure of not inventing that first product and I pushed that forward. And I pushed it forward because I. I want to take things that are bad and find a way to turn them into good. And that's my motivating factor of not to quit. That's the biggest mistake that I, that entrepreneurs make is that you just quit and it's hard. You don't really get a chance to balance the, I personally don't know anyone, or maybe you do, Mike, where they have mastered the, the work life and the family life and the business life, the entrepreneurial life. It's almost like, you know, you just got to feed the one that that needs it for that day, but it's never a 50-50 balance, you know, and I think sometimes people try to get that balance and they they quit, you know, and we can't, we can't do that. Uh, but to answer your question directly, how can somebody reach out to me? You can reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, at Brian Mojica if you have any Uh, patients that need leg bags, you can send them to our website at cathware.com. And if you know of any nurses or doctors or or urologists that you can connect me with, you can certainly reach out to me at brian.mojica at cathware.com. And uh, if you want to really capture everything that I said, you can purchase my book, Uh, Let It Flow. It's on Amazon right now, and it's on my entrepreneurial journey. I talk about how to invent a medical device, the patent process, uh, how to um, develop leads and ways to generate revenue.
0: Brian, man, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast today. You've dropped a lot of knowledge and insights for the bunker. Man, uh, we got to lift this brother up, y'all. So engage his content on LinkedIn. Share if you like this episode. Pass it along. And uh, let's continue to Um, help Brian and his team at Cathware achieve their entrepreneurial goals. For everyone that's tuning in, I also need you to do me a favor and subscribe to the transition podcast at the link in the show notes. As a reminder, I release an episode once a week and a newsletter once a week. And if you have any questions about your own venture, feel free to leave a comment on the newsletter. I'm always looking for content and I would love to learn about what you all are struggling with in your own ventures. So again, you can comment directly on the newsletter or shoot me an email at mike.steadman at bunkerlabs.org. You want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, visit bunkerlabs.org and select the city near to you, sign up for a local newsletter, and attend one of our networking events. It's that simple. We have programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to go alongside other founders and CEOs. Register today at bunkerlabs.org. Ryan, thanks again for joining us. And until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.